Well, good morning, everyone. I am uh, Pastor Randall. I'm the worship arts pastor here. Um, and we are excited to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, on and off over the years here at Calvary Church, Pastor Jim would close out the final Sunday of the year um, with a message that he would call Reflections from the Chair. And uh, he even did it as his final message here in August. And um, he would take time during that message. He would bring his own personal chair from his home and bring it up here. And he had his favorite coffee mug. And uh, he would talk about his quiet moments of worship and prayer and Bible study with God and encourage us to find our own chairs and our own moments to do the same in our own lives. Um, and he would use the verse, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God, as an encouragement for us to find those places where we can find rest, where we can um, just find community with God. So this right here, rocker, is my chair from my house, where if I uh, am in a good morning routine, then it is where I will sit to open the mornings with a cup of coffee, maybe some breakfast, and my Bible, and begin the day. Um, and so this rocker was actually, uh, my grandparents bought it for me at a garage sale in their neighborhood when I was moving into my first apartment my senior year of college, and I needed furniture. So they got this, and it has a matching love seat and ottoman with it, and uh, so I've got this at my house. It is my favorite chair. I think it's very comfortable. Um, and so today, as we are in our season of transition here at Calvary Church, we as the pastoral team wanted to pay homage to this Calvary Church tradition that Pastor Jim started, but use it as a way to look forward to the next chapters that God is guiding us into. So before we begin, let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for calling us out to follow you. Thank you so much for guiding us through life, for giving us your word and a community with you to lead and guide us and direct us through this life. And so I pray as we um, gather here today that you would speak to each and every one of us, that we would find um, these moments in our own lives where you are guiding us and leading us, but also the moments as a church family where you are guiding us and leading us today. We thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, looking at these chairs that we have here, we have three here. Each of you are sitting in a chair today. Um, and furniture in the home. Ikea is one of the biggest well-known names around this area, uh, and they mass-produce furniture. How many of you have some Ikea pieces in your home? Um, we have some just out here in the lobby at the church. And before Ikea came along, furniture was usually made to be incredibly sturdy and durable. Ikea tends Nothing against Ikea. It's great furniture, but it tends to only last a few years before it's time to upgrade to something new. And in the past, furniture was made to be incredibly durable and last for many years um, through generations. And there are some artisan carpenters today that are still doing work like that, but most of the furniture that we see and we buy is mass-produced, and after several years, it's time to upgrade to something new. So 
I have some furniture in my home that has been passed down from previous generations. I've brought a couple photos. Um, there is a blue couch. I have been told from my parents that, do we have the photos up there? Oh yeah, there it is, and my dog sitting on the couch. Um, I've been told from my parents this is a flex steel couch. My mom's mother, my grandmother on my mom's side, bought it in 1985 when she moved into her home that ended up being her final home before moving into assisted living uh, toward the end of her life. Um, and so I grew up around this couch my whole life, and let me tell you, it is the best napping couch. Um, I have spent many Sunday afternoons having a glorious nap on this couch, and it might happen again later today. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is, it is um, a great couch. And um, then I also have another chair in my home. Uh, this yellow chair uh, belonged to my grandparents on my father's side, and they bought this chair in 1958 when they were married and moved into their first home together. And it's been recovered a couple times over the years, so that's why the fabric is a little bit more 70s or 80s and not really 50s. But um, those are a couple of, of durable pieces of furniture that I have in my home that they've been passed down through generations. And we have so many memories associated with that chair. So just like furniture that can be passed down through the generations and sturdy and reliable and faithful, um, we know that God can be reliable and faithful in our lives. And so as we look to next steps, it's important to look to the past as well, to see where we've been, to know where God has led us before, to see where we're going next. Maya Angelou said, I have great respect for the past. If you don't know where you've come from, you don't know where you're going. So just like the furnitures and chairs that stay with us, uh, I want us to ask a question today. What has God done at Lamont Calvary Church here? So I want to start off by just highlighting just some history of the church. And one of our church members here, um, Dragan Jovanovic, he has shared a wonderful history of our church that goes back uh, many, many years in our uh, Calvary Church Facebook group. I encourage you to go read more about that if you haven't. If you're not in our Facebook group, you contact us on Facebook or email me directly. I will make sure you get in that. Um, and he has shared some of this information, and I just want to share a couple highlights from that today. I'm not going to go into all the details that he shared, but in 1906, uh, a church was started on Chicago's south side called Stone Church. And they moved locations quite a few times. One of their locations was in Englewood, not too far from uh, the Chicago City Life Center that we're currently partnering with right now. And today, Stone Church sits in Orland Park, just south of us. Uh, in 1975, they decided it was time to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people in the Chicagoland area and they decided to send some people out from their church and plant Maranatha Chapel in Evergreen Park. And that church is still there today. And then just a few short years later in 1981, Maranatha decided it was their turn to do the same thing and share the good news of Jesus with another community. And they sent a group of people out from their church to plant Calvary Church here in Lamont, Illinois. Uh, how many of you were around, were any of you around when Calvary Church was planted? There are, we got a couple people here. I know there are a few more that maybe are not um, with us today, but it's so great to see the legacy of faith and the people that are still here after all these years that were part of that church plant so many years ago. 
And then in 2001, Pastor Jim Nichols came, and he was he served as the pastor of this church for over half of the church's life for nearly 19 years. And um, that brings us to today. So over the years at Calvary Church, some of the scripture verses that guided the leadership of this church is they were asking, what kind of church does God want us to be? What kind of people does God want us to be in this community? How can we best reach the community of Lamont, Illinois? And one of those verses is John 1.14. And it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And one of the biggest things about this verse that we can see is that the two most recognizable qualities that Jesus had was grace and truth. And if we are to be a people that follow Jesus and want to be like Jesus Christ, want to be a church of Jesus Christ, then the two most recognizable qualities in our life should also be grace and truth. And in that order, too, Grace and love always leading first, but never forgetting the truth of the scripture that Jesus has given us. And then one of the other verses that guided the leadership over the years was John 13, verses 34 and 35. And here Jesus says to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So he said love one another three different times in that short little passage, and so I think it's safe to say that that's a pretty important thing for us to uh, get a hold of, is to love one another. Loving each other is one of the most important things that we can do to show that we are followers of Christ. Loving each other, loving the community, and loving just sharing the love that Jesus has given us with the people around us in our lives. And so over the years, God has brought us through so many, so many things, good and bad, but he's always been faithful as we've remembered his grace and truth and sharing the love with each other. So I opened with a quote by Maya Angelou where she said, I have great respect for the past. If you don't know where you've come from, you don't know where you're going. But she continues on and she says, I have respect for the past, but I'm a person of the moment. I'm here and I do my best to be completely centered at the place I'm at. Then I go forward to the next place. So as we look at how God has been faithful to us through the years, it's so important to give that back and in turn choose every day in the moment to be faithful to him for what he has done for us. And so... The next big question that we want to ask today after what has God done is what is God doing for Calvary Church? So Pastor Heather's going to share a bit about that. Good morning. (laughs) Randall took us through the past and it is so good for us to remember and to celebrate. It's healthy for us to know the past. And now we're going to take a look at what's going on right now. Where is Calvary Church now? So I am sitting in an office chair this morning, and um, an office chair is a chair you would use if you were going to work, right? It's a place where you're going to get work done, you're going to do, do the work, you're going to do the daily tasks of life. That's, that's the office chair. 
And so I chose Psalm 23 today for my text because we are walking with our shepherd. Um, we are doing the tasks of life. And um, where are we now? We're walking with our shepherd. We're doing the tasks of life. We're doing what God asks us. We're doing the work. Ra um, Randall discussed the past, what God has done. And we know from the past that God has been with us, and so that gives us confidence. Psalm 23 is a psalm of confidence and trust in God. And so we're going to start from there. We know the past, and we have confidence in that. So I'm going to read from Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leaves me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Um, this psalm is sort of is something the people of Israel would have known or been familiar with what God had done for them. So if we think of like the exodus um, from Egypt, how God rescued them, and then he led them in the wilderness. And do you remember there was the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day, and God showed the people of Israel where to go. And that's how he led them, very physically showing them. He also provided for their needs. He provided manna for them and quail. And so we um, look at this, these verses, the Lord is my shepherd, and we, we can remember what we what God has done for us in the past. A lot of times people will s refer to a pastor as a shepherd. They're the shepherd of the flock or the shepherd of the church. But God, God is our shepherd. And so he is the one guiding us and leading us. He's leading us to green pastures and still waters. He's providing for whatever we need at Calvary. He gives us strength to keep going. He guides us along right paths. And so we can trust God for our needs to be met. We can trust God to guide us through into 2020 and through our transition. We can trust that whatever's going on, whatever we need from him, he's here for us. If we need peace, he'll give it to us. If we need direction, he's going to give it to us. Um, so we know that God provides for us and is providing for us now as we walk with him. And verse Four, Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And that word, the darkest valley, sometimes life seems unclear. Sometimes we don't know what's coming next. Sometimes it feels dark and confusing. But God, he's there with us. And I think of this like a nightlight, you know, so you can to guide your way at night. Just just a reminder, like God's here with us. I know at summer camp, the kids always fight over this. Do they want it completely dark or do they want a little bit of light? I always want a little bit of light because I want to know that I can get where I need to go. I want to know that I can see at least a little bit. And God, he's like sitting there with us. He's a little light for us. And he's like, I'll, I'll guide you. It's hard to see, I know, but I'll guide you. I'll sit here with you. Our transition is um, uh, unknown to us. We're in this transition period. But God is not unaware of where we are at. God knows where we are. He knew we would be here, and he is hanging with us here. And he will walk us through it. He has purpose in our transition. And so when we focus our eyes on him, we can realize that we are safe 
and we can build faith and trust. We are in God's hands and in God's plans, and we can have peace. So now the psalm changes a little bit, and in verse 5 and 6, it says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So this feast, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. This is a feast of thanksgiving. Because of all God has done, we're celebrating. We're saying thank you, God, for being with us, for guiding us, for helping us. And it says in the presence of my enemies, which is kind of an interesting thought for us. Now, sometimes in life we do have enemies or people who are difficult to deal with, maybe at work or a neighbor. But also we have challenges in life. But God, he, pre- he prepares this feast for us, this celebration, because we're together in, in the middle of our challenges. We know that God is faithful to us, and we can be thankful to him for all that he has done, and we can celebrate his presence in our life. Um, it says also, um, my cup overflows with blessing, and we know in Romans 5, 5, it says God pours his love into our hearts. And so when I picture that, um, I picture like a glass of just an empty glass and then a pitcher of water and like pouring that water in and just like, but it just overflows, right? Because he's pouring his love. Like he doesn't, he's not careful. He's just like, let's fill it up. Let's get it fast. And so God pours his love into our hearts. He overflows us with blessings, and so even so much that it splishes and splashes around us to those around us, because God has an abundance of blessings for us. We can have confidence that we will live in the house of the Lord forever. God, he's here with us. We saw that he's here, was there in the past. He's here with us now, and we can have confidence that he's going to stay with us, that we're going to continue to feast in the presence of our enemies, in the presence of our problems and challenges, that he's going to continue to pour his love into our hearts. So that is overflowing, splishing and splashing because of his great blessings for us, because of his great love for us. And so where's Calvary now? We're walking with our shepherd. And he's leading us, he's providing for us, he's protecting us, and he's loving us. He pursues us, and he continues to be with us. We have the experience of the past, which is so good. God has been faithful. Right now, we have confidence and trust in the present, in our God, in our shepherd who takes care of us. And next, we're going to go into a trustworthy future. I think what's interesting um, about what Pastor Randall and Pastor Heather have shared is, you know, God has established, what has God done? He has established an atmosphere of grace and an atmosphere of truth in this congregation. Um, Not that I'm a connoisseur of churches by any means, but I think when it comes to approaching Christ, what our church, I think, really hosts well is this atmosphere of non-judgmentalism towards the world that is around us. I think so many of us have come in and we've recognized, man, I've, I've been away from Christ. I remember what that is like. I don't want to go back, and I want to bring hope to those that don't have it. And that comes from grace, for understanding where people have been, in truth for where Christ wants to take them. And I love what Heather shared about you know, God being with us. And I, and honestly, I think during this transition, 
we've we've done very well, but I do want to admit, like, it's okay. I mean, Heather is sitting in an office chair. It is a work chair. Remembering that God is with us is hard work. It's not just, oh yeah, check, got it, now I'm going to go about my day. It's every decision to remember, God, you are part of this. Um, and I am so grateful to be part of Calvary Church, to be part of a church that has such a rich history of having that missionary heart to want to not just be a church in Chicago, but be a church in Evergreen Park as people were moving out of the city. Like, let's establish a church for people as they leave the city. And then, I don't know if you, you caught the dates there, but what was it, Randall? 1985 they planted, no, 1975 they planted Maranatha. And by 81, that church had already been about planting another church, us. In six years, they were like, we've been a plant. Let's start another church. There was something contagious, something incredible, like the Spirit of God was moving. Let's continue that. And I love being part of a church that has that heart, that history in the past. And, and my assignment this morning was not to recap what Randall or Heather has said, but I think there's such great pieces for us to really um, lean into. I think right now, even as we are leading through this, what is God doing? I see our leadership council, our transition teams, you guys within the church raising yourselves up and saying, I want to lead differently into this future that is unknown. I think that is incredible. And that is a lot of hard work. That is the dedication to say, this isn't about me. This is about what God wants to do in his people to bring his kingdom into our world. Um, so I just want to say thank you for all of those who maybe have been part of Maranatha or been part of the past and have, are still here, and especially thank you to those who are leading forward into the seasons ahead. Um, but my assignment this morning is to really kind of bring an answer to what do we need God to do? And that's kind of an odd question, isn't it? What do we need God to do? And I like this question because I think there's something about it that insinuates that we are about his business, that we see, God, there are needs around me that need to be met. And I want you to know, Lord, that I see them too. I know you see them, but I, I want you to move towards those areas. And so we want to try to answer or flesh out an answer to this question today, what does God need to do? And so to answer that, I want to talk about my chair a little bit. Um, a while back, I noticed in my office that I didn't really have anywhere to sit other than my office chair. My office chair, while it is comfortable, it is not the greatest place to kind of sit and rest and have that be still sort of moment. And so on the curtails of the message that Pastor Jim would preach that inspired me, I said, I want to get myself a, a chair so that I can think, pray, um, rest. What were the other things he called it? There's so many. I don't know if, how many of you guys remember. There was like, an ad, like a list of adjectives that was seemingly endless. But it was my be still and know that I am with you chair. And I said, I want one of those. So I decided to start saving my pennies. I was like, I'm going to buy myself a chair. I remembered there was this wing back chair that I saw at Ikea. It's only going to last five years apparently. But I wanted it nonetheless. Um, so I saved up my pennies since this one right here. Um, because I wanted that chair to be still and know that God was with me. Um, so the day came, I had enough of those pennies, I drove to Ikea, I purchased this chair, I returned to the church, I put it together, um, but slowly I began to make this realization that I got this chair to be my sitting, thinking, dreaming, praying, spending time with God chair, but it became something else entirely. It became my serving, my counseling, my coaching, my praying, my listening, 
my tear-soaked other's first chair. And this morning, you guys are actually witnessing a pretty rare occasion that I am actually sitting in my chair. It is far more common to see others sitting here, whether it's one of our pastoral team, maybe one of you guys coming in, maybe someone from our community, or most recently, a lot during the week, Felix has been sitting in my chair. I think we've got, come on, got to get it. There it is. There's my cutie. So he's been sitting in my chair quite a bit recently. So now, no, if you come in and sit down, there's probably an amount of spit up that you're sitting in, too. Um, but it's become my other's first chair. And this is really the sum of what I see God needing to do in Lamont Calvary Church, because we all have plenty of places for ourselves. We have plans for ourselves. We have ideas for ourselves. But if we are honest, we rarely allow the Lord to change those places, to change those plans, or to change those ideas. So what does God need to do? I see God needing to interrupt us far more frequently than I think we would want to admit. A verse that Pastor Jim would often share with us as the pastoral team came from Acts chapter 2, and I see it to be so fitting for this message. It says this, Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. In the last days, God says, so these are the days before Christ returns a second time to take us all away and have a glorious new heavens, new earth, eternity with God forever. In the last days, before that all happens, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And there are a few things I want to quickly highlight, and then two things I really want to narrow down and look at. So let's look at the verse, what, or God wants to pour out his spirit on all people. The first thing I think we should really look at is that God wants. God, it says, I will pour out. God has a plan. He has a desire. He has a thirst. He has a yearning. And I think we, it would do us well to notice this, that God has desires, that God has passions, that God has ideas and plans for our lives, for all of creation. And one of those things here is the second thing I want us to, to, rec- to see here is He wants to pour out his spirit, the personhood of God. Let's sit on that for a second. He wants to pour out his personhood, his character, who he is, what he looks like, his personality, the way he interacts with other people, his work, the things that he is about, and his power, his presence his miraculous way of interacting with the world. He wants to pour out all of that through his spirit on all people. It's almost terrifying to think about that the creator of the universe, the guy that spoke things to be, says, I want to pour out myself, everything that I'm about. I want to place it on every person in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, from male to female, everyone. And I'm looking at our church and saying, what if the creative power of God really sat on all of us? What would that do to our world? What would that do to Chicago? What would that do to our taxes? I mean, come on. 
You can laugh at that. It's okay. What would that do? And here is where I want to narrow in a little bit on our young people and our old people. And I want to put a disclaimer here. Luke called you guys old people first, so don't get mad at me this morning. So we're going to talk to our young people and our old people. And I'm going to let you guys decide what group you're in. So our young people. Luke says we will see visions and prophesy. This isn't hocus pocus. This isn't like we're going to see these hallucinations like madmen. Um, Luke is actually speaking pretty plainly here. The guy that wrote this, he's speaking plainly. He is asking us, young people, do you have a vision of what God wants to do in your life? Can you see a few years forward and see how God wants to use you to change the world around you? Can you articulate it in a word or maybe in the way that you are already living? Are you living in a way that you see that vision that God has placed in your life? Are you living that way? I have been working with young people, I guess since I was a young people. For some of you, you guys are like, Chris, you're, you're still a young people. I'll, I'll take it. But I have watched student after student and young adult after young adult enter the workforce, go to technical school, go to college, start businesses, whatever, and never really answer the question, God, what is your vision for my life? I mean, we know what our visions for our lives are. That's easy to put together. It's based on our desires, our passions, our ideas, our things, our whatevers. But how often do we really say, God, I know what your vision is for me. I know what you've called me to. And I'm not talking vocation. I'm not talking electrician, plumber, doctor, lawyer, teacher. I am not talking that. God has a vision that his spirit, his character, his personality would be on us. That he would speak, that, our, that he would be on us and that we would speak about his plan to seek and save the lost in all we do wherever we go, whatever that ends up looking like. And I want to, in an effort, I guess, to be extra clear this morning, since I can't be extremely developed, I just want to say this. Many of us know what we want out of life, but we don't always know what he wants out of our lives. God's desire is not for us, I'm going to go younger to older here, God's desire is not that you would get good grades, Micaiah. Kelsey, not good grades. That's not God's desire for you. It's not that you guys would find a good college. It's not that, Krista, that you would graduate college and find a good job. That's not it. It's not even that we would find a good paycheck. God's desire is that we would know him, know him intimately and deeply, that we would live like him, and that we would serve the world as he does. That is our priority in life. Everything else is secondary, young people. Okay, old people. Luke wants you guys to dream some dreams. I took my 93-year-old grandma downtown Chicago this last week, um, and she had a blast. She was so excited. She was elated, and several times she said, never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I would see Chicago. She, she was from New Jersey. She lived out there most of her life. She spent the last 70 years in the same house 
and she just moved back to the Midwest to live with Catherine's parents up in Marquette. She never in her wildest dreams did she ever think she would see Chicago. We took her on a, a driving tour. We saw Wrigley Field, the Gold Coast. We drove down Michigan Avenue. We got a wheelchair. My brother-in-law took her to go see the Bean. She thought that was incredible. And then we took her to Chinatown to get lunch. Never in her wildest dreams would she think that was possible. She is incredibly kind, incredibly generous, and has a remarkable memory for all of the things that were. But as she nears a century of life, she has become understandably less optimistic about the future. And I want to challenge all the old people in the room to have dreams. Because it is our human nature to become a realist with age because we have seen enough, we have experienced enough, and we know enough to have a good idea of what the likely outcome of any situation may be. And while our experience might serve us very well in most areas of life, God is not limited to our assumptions. Because I guarantee you there were a plethora of old men and old women who when they heard that Jesus was raised from the dead said, well, no one had ever done that before. That's impossible. And yet we still serve 2,000 years later a living God. In the days ahead, we are going to need dreamers. We are going to need people to encourage those behind them to dare for great things, greater things than maybe you have ever experienced. Dreams motivate us and dare us to act greatly. And I want to challenge the elders of our church to lead that charge. You know enough, you've experienced enough, so you know exactly what limitations we see because you have seen them before us. And I want to encourage you to dare us to dream past those expectations and those limitations. I think in our world we hear enough, never in my wildest dreams. But I would like to hear that turn into I have had the wildest dream about what I believe God is going to do. That is exciting. Because honestly, going to Chicago for a day trip is a very low bar dream. I'm grateful I got to spend it with her, but it is a low bar dream. Old people, show us what dreaming high bar dreams looks like. Because if his spirit is poured out on us, that means his character, his passions, his creativity is on us. And how could we not get excited, enthused, eager, or ready for a future if God's Spirit is in us, showing us, dreaming with us about what it is going to be like? We have a rich history as a church. We are a church that was born out of the need to reach the lost. And there have been people before us that have had vision and great dreams about what God might do in Chicago, in Evergreen Park, and in Lamont. And I think we are nearing a point in our church history where it's our turn to dream. God, what do you want to do in Romeoville, in Homer Glen, in Darien? Or maybe, God, what do you want to do back in Chicago from where we came? If we are going to dare something great 
like multiplying the reach of the gospel. We need to be creating places to be still, to know that he is with us and allow his presence and purpose to come out of us and that his life would supersede our planned lives. Young people, will you let God interrupt your plans? Consider that he might be calling you maybe into ministry to be building his people. And my prayer this morning is that there might be one or two people in this room that would be hearing the word of the the Lord speaking to you. Maybe vocational ministry is my future. Maybe going to the mission field is my future. Old people. I'm going to play that one up today. It's my only excuse to ever use it. Will you let God interrupt your attitudes? You know, from a lifetime experience, it may have caused you to stop dreaming, but God has always been moving. He is presently moving and forever will be moving, creating, transforming the world to glorify him. And I want to invite you to dream with him. And my prayer this morning is that it would be the encouragement that fuels the gospel and I want to put parentheses here, fuels the gospel, not Calvary Church. I would love to see Calvary Church grow and multiply, but it's not about this. It's about the gospel more than anything else. It is my prayer and my dream that your dreams would fuel and encourage the gospel to the ends of the earth. The elders, your dream would fuel that. Psalm 46.10, the Lord says, be still and know that I am God. When we sit, when we pause in our chairs, we can see who God has been, who he is, and we can catch a glimpse of what he has yet to do. And when we do that, we may find that our chairs were never meant for just us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for who you are, who you've been, and who you have yet to be. Father, I want to give you permission to interrupt every person in this room. Father, we have plans, we have ideas, we have places we want to go, purposes we want to see fulfilled. But Father, more than anything else, I pray our desire would become to see your plans fulfilled, your purposes made real. And Father, your places be reached with the hope of Christ. We thank you for this last year. We thank you for this transition we are in and the incredible leadership that you are raising up during this. And Father, my prayer, our prayer right now is that in the days ahead, that this season would not be a band-aid between a beginning and an end, but Father, it would be the ramp that is leading us into the greatest days Lamont Calvary Church has ever seen. I pray that on each of us, your creative spirit that was present at the beginning of all creation would be on us, that we would walk through this life seeing the, everyone as you see them, seeing the lost and making them found, Father, that you would look at us, that you would see us, that you would awaken in us passions and desires that only come from you so that we can serve as your people. We ask this in your mighty and holy name. Amen.